Welcome into the DMVR Draft Podcast. We've got a ton to talk about as uh, training camps have opened. We've got more clarity on the quarterback situation or maybe less clarity, which I guess is good for the Draft Pod guys. But what I want to tell you is all about Hassle Cattle Company. We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Wagyu beef at the DMVR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. You all can now come down and build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger and all the toppings you want and enjoy. Watch the parties of, on a random Tuesday evening with the finest beef. Hassle is hooking you up with 10% off your entire purchase. Just use code DMVR10 at checkout. That's DMVR10 to save 10% off your entire order. This stuff is delicious. It's addicting. And the good people at Hassle have made it economic for you. Check them out. Use code DMVR10. Let's get it. Sweet. Welcome into the DMVR Draft Podcast. I almost said Broncos there. No, that, that would be incorrect. It's just DMVR Draft. It's all things college football, draft, NFL. We look forward to the future of the sport, but we look forward today to having Justin and Henry back. It was a blast doing the Thursday bonus show with Jake getting into the craziness that's going on with the Big 12 and SEC and our rivaling top five quarterbacks going into 2022. That was lots of fun to do. But Justin, Hank, they're back from Vegas and L.A. They've they've shook hands. They've uh, they've talked to the top players and coaches in their respective conferences, talked to some NIL athletes represented by DMVR, that and a whole lot more. Fellas, how are you doing? How was the travel? And uh, what'd you learn? What you got for us? Justin, why don't you start us off since you were out in Vegas prior to Hank going out to sunny SoCal? I'm doing good, man. Vegas is definitely still Vegas. It's it's still, you know, the, the trashy city, but in the best way possible. It was, was kind of nice to just see people having a good time. I mean, I understand that you know, COVID is kind of rearing its ugly head here and, and we're seeing some stuff with the variant, but I don't know, man, it was just, it was nice to be out there to see people walk in the strip. It was obviously really nice to get a chance to talk to the coaches and players at the Cosmopolitan Hotel. Uh, just a little side tangent, Cosmopol uh, Cosmopolitan, mm -hmm. nice hotel, but I prefer my, my hotels in Vegas to be a little bit quirkier. That's one of those corporate ones that doesn't really have an identity. You know, I like the Flamingo. It feels like you're in an 80s, you know, casino movie or the Rio or something. I, give me a theme. I can go to Excalibur. a hotel. Yeah, like, exactly. I can go to a generic corporate hotel anywhere. We don't need that in Vegas. But where main were most point, of the athletes and coaches and media stuff? What hotel was that taking place in? That was all at the Cosmopolitan. Nice. Which, you know, it was fine. It, it worked out really great. They had a, you know, giant space for everybody it was nice and spread out. There was work area, you know, for the radio guys, the writers, all the different stuff. I got to spend about 30 minutes interrupted with Trey McBride and Daquan Jackson, which was a blast. I've already published a couple of things uh, on the site. I'm about to publish 
another article, five things we learned from Trey McBride at media day. So if you're a DNVR member, make sure you look out for that Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, it was just, it was just nice to get back to normal. You know what I mean? Like talking to Carson strong, talking to Trey McBride, talking to the Wyoming linebacker, Chad Muma. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talent in this conference and it was nice to kind of just get a chance to speak with them in person and, you know, get to hear about their backgrounds and all that, because there's only so much you can learn, you know, over zoom. It's just, it's not personal. And those relationships, you know, and, and being able to establish them that all starts with talking in person. And that's, that's what I appreciated most. You know, we can, we can talk about a couple of the things that I, that I heard in a, in a second here, but you know, that's my, my general takeaway. I'm just thankful to have life getting a little bit more normal again. And I'm really excited for college football. And I know Hank is too. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, for me out in uh, LA, you know, draft wise, first of all, kind of a lot of the same things Justin said, it was nice to be somewhere that wasn't where I've been for the last like year and like to see people and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of draft stuff, honestly, there isn't much that goes on, you know, to me, the biggest takeaway was like, uh, I said this before Kayvon Thibodeau, he is really, really big. Like really big. You see him walking around and it's just like, what is this guy? And that is not what I expected. You know, I Kinda knew like that he was good. You got to see him in person. Exactly. Like, like I, I didn't think he was like Von Miller, like a pure like speed edge, but just to see how massive that guy was. And he's wearing like his Pac-12 championship ring, which is also just massive. And you're just like, wow, this dude is just something else. And kind of like the, the flip side of that was seeing Keaton Slovis, you know, in my mind, Keaton Slovis is like this big guy. I think I was talking to Dre about, and Dre said he's listed like six, three and over 200 and you see him and it's like, he's like six, one, like he's, he's sitting with like all the video people from USC. And like, I, I was like the next table over actually not even a table, just sitting in a chair right there, like five feet away. And I'm just like staring at him. Cause I'm like, I know this is Keaton Slovis. I know this is, I saw him talk earlier. This is him. It looks just like him. But then I still just had to Google him again and look at the picture because I was like, this guy cannot be who we're saying is going to be like a top five pick or potentially one of the three best quarterbacks as of right now, probably. Those to me were the big takeaways. Kayvon Thibodeau, just massive. Somebody I am even more willing to bank on than before. Keaton Slovis, confusingly small. Confusing, like kind of just looks like a guy with like some great well-defined calves. That's a big scoop though. He's got the hometown measurement going on the, on the listing. That's pretty common in college football though. We see that mm -hmm. all the time where guys at the combine, you know, they'll be like a full two and a half inches below what they were listed at from their respective oh, yeah. schools all season. Mm -hmm. um, as far as NFL draft stuff and just the mountain West, just briefly, you know, the, the big names, obviously Carson strong, the Nevada quarterback. I got to talk with him for about 15 minutes and I, I talked with his coach as well. And, you know, the one thing he just kind of focused on is, trying to, to do a little bit less. If, if you watched him last year, he got away with some risky throws because he's got a big arm. You know, you're not going to be able to do that in the NFL, and he knows that. And so, you know, a big piece for him is just going to be kind of taking what the defense gives him. And obviously, they've got a ton of talent. They've got receivers and, and speed, and they're going to throw it all over the place. But he's got to, you know, not put himself in, in such risky positions. And, you know, just considering Drew Locke and the conversation that we've had in Denver these last couple of years, that was something that stood out to me, you know, it's, it's probably good that he's trying to cut these things down while he's still in college and, you know, just kind of work on refining his decision-making. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, what about like stuff that, and I want to get into some of the nuggets you've already given us, but what about, is there anything that coaches, players kind of take for granted that we maybe are overlooking or haven't really talked about much as we look forward to the upcoming college football season and specifically the Mountain West and Pac-12 seasons? I mean, not, not all that much. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch, it's a weird time in college football, obviously with all the Oklahoma, Texas stuff going on. And that was kind of like the topic of conversation is whenever somebody didn't have a question, there was like a lull, it wound up being, what do you think of NIL? What do you think of the realignment? What do you think of the nine game conference schedule? Like some of those changes that are likely on the way in the PAC 12, um, not so much in terms of like things were weird last year and now we're getting back to normal. And there's obviously some people talking about like, yeah, it's going to be nice to have a full normal off season, but it kind of just felt like business as usual and that not much had really changed. Um, I think, I, I think maybe the most interesting topic was the, the beginning of the day when the new PAC 12 commissioner, George Klyovkov mm-hmm. started things off with about 45 minutes half of it, his opening statement and half of it in the Q and a, and he, he said a lot of stuff talking about how maybe we should slow down this college football playoff process with things happening, talking about the potential for um, a shift to an eight game conference schedule and seven, nine game conference schedule with the idea being, you know, if you're trying to get teams in the college football playoff, that's probably not the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, throwing ideas like potentially getting rid of the, the divisions out there, um that came up in the mountain west as well and i think mm-hmm. if we do get an expanded college football playoff we'll see a lot of a lot of conferences just kind of opt to put their best two teams in the conference championship game period you know yep. you can still have the divisions mm-hmm. in terms of like how you do the scheduling cycle because obviously you're not going to be able to play every team from your league every single year so you can have them you know for those purposes basically mm-hmm. but other than that I, I i do think especially in these smaller conferences maybe the sec they feel confident enough that they don't need to change right. it. But when you are, you know, like the PAC 12 or the mountain West, you just got to do whatever you can to kind of keep those teams as, as highly rated as possible and get them in the most prime time games as possible. Yeah, definitely. And, and in terms of realignment, which is kind of going along with all that, um, the, the vibe was the PAC 12 doesn't think they need to add anything. And, you know, they said, we'll listen and see what's out there and evaluate everything. And we don't have like set criteria or anything. It's just going to be, we'll take a look if anybody wants to talk, but for the most part, they're happy with they with where they are. And to me, I think that that's the, the right move. I don't think there's anybody out there that really moves the needle. I think Oklahoma state and Texas tech, you look to, but I mean like the wall street journal put out, I think it was like two years ago, the, the value of teams to conferences and both of those two teams, which are the highest of the big 12 remaining, better than six the pack 12 teams worse than six and it's like are you're not really adding anything and if you're not adding anything i'd rather just keep that space open so i do think that something with like a scheduling alliance with the big 10 could be on the way um something that just about happened it was 99 chance it was going to happen about 10 years ago and that just fell through at the last second but in terms of realignment i i don't expect the pack 12 to be all that involved I think that's the wrong oh. move, man. Yeah. Really? No. I mean, they we're headed for super leagues. So you're either in or you're out. And if you don't start working towards that, 
you know, right now there's a poacher and there's a poachy, you know, SEC, Big 12. Hmm. And then there are there are other power conferences kind of standing by and watching to see what happens. You watch for too long to see what happens. You're going to be poached yourself unless you become one of the poachers. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that, you know, when that when those questions were coming up, it was actually uh, Oregon's athletic director up there, too. And that was a question that was asked, which is, are you guys concerned that there's going to be uh, teams leaving your conference? And Georgia said, hey, I'm going to let this guy take this one. And the Oregon's athletic director said, look at what we have here. Like, we are set up very well. We have all these media rights on the way. With all this stuff changing, there's just no reason for us to leave this conference right now, especially the way the college football playoff is going. And who knows? Maybe he was just lying, which is a thing that could happen. But when the top oh, yeah. brand in the conference is saying that, I I'm, I feel confident kind of riding along with it. I'm curious if you think, I mean, beyond the the brand or, you know, the value that they would, you know, potentially add to the Pac-12, do you think there's any issue when it comes to the religious affiliations for schools like Baylor and TCU? Because that's that's like an area that the Pac-12, even more so than other schools, I would imagine would be hesitant. I mean, that's all, that's always been the big thing with BYU and why they're supposedly have no shot at the Pac-12 is they don't want a school with religious affiliation. Yeah, and I think that that is absolutely the case. And the last round of realignment, that is why um, some of those other schools weren't included. I do think that that sentiment is fading a little bit. Um, and George Kudovkov basically said, like, there is there is no, like, there are no prerequisites, is what he said. Doesn't You don't need to be an AAU school. You don't need to be a secular school. I think they lean that way, but there's a way around it. The other thing I'll add is that, you know, BYU, probably the most religious school out there. That's a tough sell. TCU, again, I'm not, like, an expert on this, but in reading up on all these things, at this point, I think the only religious requirement is that you have to take religion class at some point and it doesn't even have to be Christianity. And so a lot of people even say like they might as well change the name because that's not even what it is anymore. And so of all those, I think it's the most likely, but then again, you look at, is that helping you become a super conference having TCU? It gives you, I mean, Uh, it gives you access to the Dallas market. And I think from a recruiting standpoint, that might be able to, Look, it's not like schools like USC and Oregon can't go into Texas anyways and get top talent. But if you can sell them on the fact that we are going to come back and play games in your home state where your friends, your family can all come, you know, it helps you get, you know, maybe some games at the Cowboys Stadium, stuff like that. I think there are a lot of benefits in going into Texas. But in terms of does it close the gap between the SEC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12? Not really. Probably not. not. My big question for the Pac-12 is if they sit tight and let's say, you know, the American or the Mountain West then goes and pairs with the Big 12 and becomes like a 20-team conference, do they get usurped in that situation? And I think it would be close. I, I still still think the brands of like Oregon and USC and UCLA are, are probably going to be superior to, you know, Texas Tech, Houston, Oklahoma State, those type of schools. But I don't know. I I, I am a little surprised to hear that they just kind of think sitting tight is the right option. But again, that, that could just be, you know, the agreed upon statement from the conference and we don't want to put anything out there and, you know, create any type of media, you know, crap storm. It could this, be. This new commissioner sounds incredibly practical um, and mm. pragmatic compared to what Larry Scott was. So I think, yep. you know, already the stuff like, well, we're not going to have any hard set parameters. 
he gets what game's going to mm-hmm. be played here soon. And, uh, you know, as Jake and I were talking about on the last episode, the SEC has dropped the gauntlet by adding Texas and Oklahoma. This is both of those only... would be bigger than any additions that were made in 2011. I mean, by miles, folks, mm-hmm. by miles. So, no, adding TCU doesn't move the needle. And it, like, we just entered a new year. You now need to add Notre Dame, Florida State, Miami, Clemson. Those are the big dogs that are hanging out here. And for the ACC, the big dogs are USC, Oregon. Like, get those guys or die. Like, that's where we're at. And the next five years, it's going to be this weird being in limbo as we wait for the new playoff format, as we wait for those teams to make the move from the Big 12 to the SEC. And things are going to get wild. We're going to see things just be revolutionized. And, you know, the NIL is going to play a part in all that. And college football as we know it is being turned on its head two and three times over this summer so i'm i'm just trying to wrap my head around it and prepare myself for a lot more actual changes coming down the road you know yeah before we move on um oh go ahead hank yeah the other thing i'll add is that you know my my underlying thought about all this is that you know, you look at all of the realignment that has basically ever happened, and there's a lot of teams that have moved up into better conferences. Not a lot of teams have gotten yep. kicked out. Yep. And you look at where the Big Ten is after adding Maryland and adding Rutgers, and there's no way they're happy with those moves now. Yep. And, and that's why, you know, you go in and say, hey, we could, we could go get Houston. We could go get whoever. And it's like, are you sure this is who you want to tie to your conference for – you know, basically until it disbands or they get a better offer. And, you know, that's not something I'm too worried about with a lot of these schools that are available. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, there's something there. The rest of them, eh, eh. Yeah. I mean, Kansas, you're getting I'm more one of the in Kansas, top five right? basketball yeah. programs yeah. and an AAU school. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. there's a selling point there. Same with Iowa State. They're probably... I mean, Iowa State's probably a better football brand the last decade than Texas has been. Not brand, but sure. program. At least consistently competitive. If we're talking yeah. about like teams that actually had a chance to win big games, for sure. But you, you look at the money they brought in wins, compared to right. Texas in that time, <laughs> right? But it's, you're still generated. much rather have Texas yeah. in that time than Oklahoma <laughs> State, or Iowa State. No, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's so, I will say, um, Kirk Herbstreit. He put a, a quote out there that was basically just like. One of the things that makes college football special is like the tradition and the rivalries and everything yeah. that comes with it. And I think that's true. And yeah. we're kind of losing that more and more as everything yeah. becomes about the bottom line and the dollar. And I get it. I'm not saying yeah. that they're wrong for making those decisions, but there, there is going to be some consequence. I think there with the fan base, because there, there are a lot of people who are going to look at this, you know, like if you're in the Midwest, if you're look, if you're a, you know, a Kansas state fan or whatever, you know, you'd probably just say, fuck this. Like, why, why would I enjoy it? Why would I continue to support this system? You know, I've watched the conference get torn apart three different times in the last 20 years. All of the geographic rivalries are gone. All of the tradition is gone. And it's all just about, you know, a couple of top schools raking in as much money as possible and making the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's disenchanting, I think, to a lot of fan bases. So at the same time though, you look at how the big 12 started it was like 1994, the Big Eight just poached the half of the Southwest Conference sure. and destroyed the other four, pro- like not destroy the programs, but destroyed those rivalries 
which was like, I think it's like TCU. They left out Baylor at the time, I think was in there. SMU was definitely in there. And so you had like those rivalries when they brought in, that was bringing in, that was, was that Texas? I can't remember. But the point is like, it's not the first time it's happened. And it's not like the big 12 forever was this like big conference. It's just been for 25, 30 years or whatever, since they did exactly this to another conference. No, it's, I mean, it's just going to change and it's going to be much different. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I've always had concerns about, are we weakening the regular season by doing this Mm -hmm. and taking away the connections across the country? Um, Great stuff, guys. Yeah, the Thibodeau size, Slovis size things, really interesting. Slovis, like that's what he's got going versus the Malik Willis's, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell even, right? Who's a little on the short side. He's supposed to be the big guy. Thibodeau, on the other hand, doesn't strike me as a massive edge. It um, is unbelievable. Maybe he's got, maybe he's rocking short pads. Um, and anyways, uh, you know, these guys have just been killing it. So go check out the Rams pod and the Buffs pod, which we are also, um, you'll also find the draft pod in those feeds every week. But yeah, go check those out because obviously Hank and Justin have covered this in much greater depth and have more stuff coming on the way so great stuff fellas we are going to take our first break and then we'll be back talk some expansion draft how the nhl has done it differently from how the nfl's done it and then who would we protect on the broncos and then the rest of the afc's division winner should be lots of fun as we kind of handicap the best young players in the league stay tuned DraftKings Sportsbook is not only America's number one sportsbook, guys. It's been amazing to bet on the Olympics, Major League Baseball. Now we've got NFL futures. We can even get NFL draft futures in there. It's a great place to wager sports. They've got amazing deals. Right now, if you're a new user, you bet $1.00. Um, to be eligible to win $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. And spoiler alert, that's happened already. So I think you are safe to go to DraftKings. You've also got a great little tier deal where if you bet on the Olympics, 10 bucks every day, you're going to get $5 free. You bet 50, you're going to get $25 free. So check them out because the fun is never ending for sports fans. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And maybe all you sports fans can use those winnings from DraftKings to go to Green Mountain Dental Group, where we've had several DMVR listeners switch over to them um, over the years and make them the permanent family dentist. Those listeners have personal reached out and let us know how great their experience was and thank us for letting them um, into such a wonderful place, such a wonderful practice. You know, Colorado people doing right by other Colorado people. That's really what we try to stand by here at the MVR. And uh, that's exactly what Green Mountain Dental is. There's honestly nothing more rewarding than hearing that from our listeners. So please tell us about your experience if you've made the switch. And if you don't know, Green Mountain Dental is in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're, um, you know, extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. You always love that in the waiting room and what have you. They've taken care of our people over the years. They're one of our oldest sponsors. And they're only 15 minutes from downtown. Remember, get a cleaning x-ray 
and exam at Green Mountain Dental, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That is just a phenomenal deal. Check them out. And we're back. DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that code DNVR and get on on all the fun. Already some draft props up. Already some draft props. And Jake's guy, Phil uh, Jerkavich, you can bet on him, I think, at plus 3,500 to be the first overall pick. Not bad, Jake. Not bad Let's at go. all. Um, obviously, the, the fellas dominated the first part. So let's go to you, Jake. Um, as I said, we're going to get into some expansion draft. We've seen this more recently in the NHL, which is a model we will follow for our game because obviously the way the NFL's done it, uh, quite extensive comparatively. But um, how has the NFL done it in the past? Obviously, the more recent cases, the Browns 2.0 and uh, the Texans. Yeah, so uh, we'll start in 2002. Um, obviously, the Houston Texans, the most recent expansion team allowed in. Um, in that particular case, uh, the Texans were required to claim either 30 players or $27.2 million in contracts in, this, in the expansion draft. Uh, that came out to 38% of the salary cap back then. Okay, um, well. Teams were given or were mandated to give five players that could be selected in this expansion draft. Uh, right. Once a player was selected, they could take a player away uh, from that pool. And if they had another player selected, they could remove all their players from that pool. However, that was all completely optional because the Jets and Jaguars both had three players drafted in the 2002 expansion draft. Um, just interesting i mean in that draft it was 19 rounds i guess so 19 players selected um obviously not every nfl team was hit yet the jags and jets were selected three times uh this included guys like tony baselli aaron glenn gary walker jermaine lewis from the uh, ravens um and then in 99 you know you hear a lot about how browns fans in particular say they got screwed in this expansion draft mm -hmm. um and it makes sense once you look at the rules uh, I think the salary cap implications that Houston had to work with allowed them to go after, I think, more interesting players. Um, in this 90, 99 draft, um, it was five players again, um, but it was, again, nothing to do with the salary cap. Same rules in terms of removing a player if someone was selected. That one went 37 rounds. Um, really no notable players came from that. They did pass on Kurt Warner in that draft. And then um, also worth, mention, worth mentioning in 95, when the Panthers and Jags came in, um, things were also a bit different then, which is another reason yeah. why uh, Cleveland says they got screwed. Um, again, same thing, six players on the list. Uh, if a player was selected, they could choose to uh, trim down the list by one player. Hmm. Um, this one went a lot deeper, uh, technically 66 rounds. Um, Whoa. Two but teams. That was two teams. So the Panthers <laughs> yeah, went a bit heavy. They went 35 players. Jags got 31. Um, so, yeah, it's some changes along the way, but in uh, general, it's kind of remained the same, the format-wise. Um, in terms of the NHL, though, uh, that was, what was it, guys? Seven or eight players on the list, and then a goalie um, was what we said mm -hmm. that yep. teams could protect. Um, and then if you didn't want to do that, there was, I think, uh, something like four forwards, four defensemen and a goalie or something like, I can't remember exactly, I think it's like but five, um, three, one, something like that. Yeah. 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 
and the standard is essentially protecting your top two lines. So your top six forwards, your top four defensemen, and your top goalie. Um, exactly. And that's, uh, that's great. And obviously we could play this game in a much different way, go old school NFL and go way negative and decide what five Broncos would we put out there? Um, and then is that tiered or you could just like, it can't just be like your five crappiest players on your roster that you don't want to protect. There's more. I think it I is. Am, Unless yeah. I mean like what they got Tony Baselli, but he had a, like a massive contract and mm-hmm. injuries so that's, to deal with. Right. Yeah. So yeah. if you have like, if you want to get rid of a big contract, you could try to do that. But for the most part, it was just like, we're not making you get rid of your good players. You're not giving up any pro bowlers to some new team, any starters. And then I guess that's the difference between the NHL and the NFL. What you have four lines. uh, So that's 12 forwards that play 18. Once you count the defenseman and then 19 with your goalie uh, compared to like 22 plus your kicker and punter. And then there's like a lot more rotation because you bring bench guys in on top of that. Yeah, no, it's completely different. And, um, and I mean, it, us the timing of this game is also different of course the expansion draft makes a lot of sense right before you're going into free agency mm-hmm. so like the abs don't protect gabriel landeskog who's going into free agency and they're kind of gambling on that or like the washington capitals didn't protect alex ovechkin who was going into free agency stuff like that um so you know if you want and maybe we would have had much more interesting conversations about do you do you protect garrett bulls do you let him of course, the, the Broncos re-signed Bulls mid-season to avoid that kind of prospect, you know, so there are, there are different things, but we're just going to follow the NHL format, essentially, four defensemen, four offensive players that we protect. We'll get into who we would dangle, would get into the contracts and all that, but, you know, yes, we're about talent evaluation and college football on the bridge to the NFL, but we're also about team building um and you know like evaluating players and this allows us to do that in the last month last week of july before august is here and uh before you know it cfb around the corner late august so um let's start this off though fellas anyone anyone dying to give out their top protection for the broncos oh yeah i've got one player Let's do it. It's my man, Jerry Judy. I think in terms of cost control and talent, it's all kind of there. Um, I mean, he's on a rookie deal. He's got that fifth-year option, only entering his second year in the league. And then just talent-wise, I mean, in terms of being able to separate and run routes already among some of the best in the league with potential this year to really kind of take the crown uh, if he has a big year, um, I don't really know who else would be number one for me, honestly. Did anyone not protect Judy? I protected Judy, that's for sure. I also did. Yeah. And honestly, the offense is kind of easy. We can run through these pretty mm-hmm. quickly, probably. Um, Justin, who would you have next on your protection since we all have uh, Judy here? Uh, next would be Garrett Bowles for me. I just think you, mm-hmm. with what we saw at left tackle last year, You finally got him locked down under contract extension. So you don't have to worry about that moving forward. You're kind of hoping he's entering what should be, you know, the prime of his career. So I think, you know, losing him now would obviously be a big blow for an NFL team. And 
I just think ultimately, you know, if you can't protect your quarterback, almost nothing else matters. And because mm-hmm. of that, if you have a left tackle, you you got to protect him. Did we all protect Bulls as well? Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. No, it makes sense, especially with that nice, freshly minted contract that already looks kind of good with some of the other guys that have been signed in free agency and maybe overpaid. Him being a little older and the contract is why I wouldn't be protected ahead of Judy in my mind. But yeah, I think agreed. Yeah. I think we're all with you. Um, you wouldn't want to dangle him out there. You'd think an expansion team would be pretty smart to scoop him up and already have He'd be him. a day one starter, yeah. you know? Yeah. And right, exactly. Yeah. Um, Hank, who would be next on your list on the offensive side to protect? Um, Noah Fant. Yeah. He's a yeah. really good young tight end. He's yep. got uh two years left on his deal. That's um to me, like uh, the combination that means you protect him. Yeah. Uh, that's another consensus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well then I will have the tiebreaker. And I think there's really only one interesting conversation to be had here. Um, and it would simply be, do I protect Cortland Sutton? Or with the fact that his contract will be up, remember, he's just a second rounder. So, uh, you know, that's going to be up in 2022, coming off an ACL. And on top of that, all the depth that's at wide receiver in the league that you think, well, I assume there'll actually be some other pretty attractive wide receivers available as well to where maybe I feel better about dangling him then rookie running back Javante Williams, who of course has four oh. years of cost control, um, is a top 35, 40 pick. And, uh, you know, obviously running back, yeah, they're not as valuable, but a 21 year old running back with four years on his rookie deal is a, the most valuable type of running back you can have. Um, so I, Frankly, I've been kind of back and forth about this. Um, And gun to my head, I hate to say it, but I think I'd go Javante Williams. It's the right call in this scenario. Yep. I I, I had Cortland originally, and then I took him off, and then my logic was I got to protect a quarterback, so I originally added Drew Locke just thinking – if he pops, then at least he's protected. Right. Worst case, you know, I I protect my younger asset. If you want to poach Bridgewater, you know, go right ahead. Go right. But then I, I just started to think, like you said, you know, just given the contract, obviously we're all really high on Javante Williams. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that Drew Locke would be the quarterback worth poaching at this point across right. the league. I mean, I think right. I'd probably rather even take somebody like Gardner Minshew who could play you know, right away, just be that transition guy until you're able to draft your own quarterback and, and bring him in. So I guess, I guess I'd go Javante and I dangled Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton. Although I think logic in most instances would say protect the quarterback or the big time wide receiver. So here's the thing. I mean, with the expansion draft, I mean, you're assuming they get the first overall pick, right? So, and you would assume that they would pick a quarterback with that pick. So, I mean, you could, I think especially in the Broncos instance, you could for sure dangle Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater out there. And I think feel at least pretty confident you're going to get one back. Um, I mean, 
that definitely kind of uh, screws with their chances in the quarterback room this year. Um, I was also considering Dalton Reisner though, as another, yeah, that's why I took yeah. keeping. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's on the second year deal, so you don't get the option, but a young player has kind of had some ups and downs. Um, no. But I, the way I saw it is I wanted to kind of split uh, my four between playmakers and pass protect or protection. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to go too heavy on the playmakers yeah. and really kind of sacrifice my line. So that's how I went about yeah. yeah. And I went Reisner, like you said, the two years of control, that's big. That it was between him and Sutton for me, you know, the, the tough part with Javante is that they did invest so much in him. And so yeah. it'd be tough to see him go. And the other thing is that, like when the NHL did their draft first two year players in their first two years were just yeah. protected anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I let expansion draft done a couple days prior to the actual draft. Right. Yeah. So in, in the NFL, this expansion draft would have occurred a couple days prior to the Broncos even selecting Sertain and Javante. Mm-hmm. This is another kind of wrench in this game we play, but it allows for a more interesting conversation. Yep. Even it also leads to like a super team being creative, but that's going to be kind of fun at the end of this to <laughs> yes. see who right. to pick from this. The team that comes from this draft is going to have like they're good. They're their perfect record. I'm calling it now. Um, <laughs> I think though, with my thing, Javante, first of all, he is technically unproven still. And if you look oh, at the sure. roster, you've no. got you've got Melvin, you've got Royce, you've got uh, Mike Boone, who everybody, I guess, is in love with, which sure, why not? <laughs> but uh, when you have a couple of options, running backs are replaceable. It sucked to lose him just because you put all that capital into him. But offensive linemen just more valuable. And I think that there's going to be a lot of running backs available in this draft for that reason, because teams are going to leave him unprotected. So I'm not quite as concerned about losing him. But on the other hand, I mean, he was a college running back with only 366 career carries. I mean, he's not coming in with a lot of tread on the tires Mm -hmm. um, and he's got passing game and running game ability. I mean, I would, I would kind of feel bad taking a running back because like Dre said, I mean, from a value perspective, it's really not sense. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I love the player. So. Yeah, I'm with you. And I mean, Reisner, you know, for an expansion team, especially, you'd love the character. You'd love the intangibles he brings. You'd love the versatility, frankly. You know, this is a guy that you could Mm -hmm. add, could play either guard, spot, center, potentially right tackle for you. Um, But it's just two years of cost control. And I, I hate to say it, but I think outside of his first six to eight starts of his career, Dalton hasn't shown enough to be at that range. As Henry said, Javante Williams, duh, never played an NFL game. Definitely hasn't shown enough himself. Um, But at this point, it it just comes down to cost control. I think to some extent, it also shows you how unproven this Broncos offense is. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, if, if we're putting this together, and it is like the NHL draft where they're taking a player from every team, I'm not thinking that anybody's taken a, a player from the Broncos offense. I think the value is going to be on the other side of the ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is a great point. Right. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, we just, we just prioritize contracts and a youth, you know, it's, uh, there wasn't much to, like the ads had way hard decisions with the loaded mm-hmm. roster. They had this, this was like a cakewalk, three consensus picks and, like yep. we all considered the same three names at the end. Yep. I, I would say Tim Patrick would be the, the one name I would throw out there that I'd be 
deceptively worried about another team picking. He's a big body guy, moves the chains. I think you'd probably be able to get him on a contract extension that's a little more team friendly than what Cortland Sutton's going to command. They're both, you know, going to be free agents, but I don't know. I'd be a little worried about losing Tim Patrick, but it's kind of like a, and if we're comparing it to the abs, yeah, it sucks. They lost Don Skoy, but I mean, they kept Landis Gog. So I think things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Dangling him would suck and he would be a great one for an expansion team to take on because it's a great contract right now. He's a UFA works out. You're happy to like extend him halfway through the year when he shows you something and just move it along, you know, no interest in KJ instead though. I was going to say KJ would be interesting too, especially as an expansion team for your first slot receivers, a guy that can actually run routes and also has that speed ability uh, be very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Three years. I still think they're pulling too. from the defense. Yeah. Fair and enough. I think you worry about KJ's longevity a little bit. You know, a guy, sure. you know, he's he's struggled to stay on the field. And when your entire game's predicated on speed, you know, I'd be a little Bro, I'd be a hand. little weary investing long term in a guy who, you know, has consistent hamstring issues. What sucks is hammies. Hammies are so terrifying when speed is like 90% of your game. Yep. Any small corner, you hear a hammy, holy cow. Start saying a prayer. Um, that, that stuff is just scary. We're going to go in reverse order of what we did. Ooh, this is so much harder. I will start with my defensive protection. Final. I'll go easy. Um, I'm just going to stick with Justin Simmons. Huh. It's a, it's He's your number one? Yeah. He's my number one. It's a good contract. The off-field speaks for itself. Uh, stabilizing mm-hmm. force on that back line. Yeah. Yeah, he's yep. my one, two. You disagree, Adam is my Justin. number two. I mean, I think I, I wouldn't argue against him. I think, obviously, with what we've seen, the versatility is great in pass coverage. He's a pretty sure tackler. You mentioned his off-field accolades. He's a good dude, good teammate. Everything you would want. I I had Patrick Sertan as number one, and I I just think it's because you're banking on how good he's going to be for how long he's going to be it. I I don't have any you know concerns about Justin Simmons moving forward. I think he's going to be a great safety for however long he decides to play. But I mean the things we're hearing about Sertan and Camp like they're like this dude he already belongs. I think he's probably going to be a really high impact player for a really long time and just elite corners. They're so hard to come by. And when you could get one for the next 15, you know, 20 years, potentially, you know, I think you got to protect one. Yep. So Sertan was my number one too. Um, Like it would have been Simmons if not for the contract. Like I I like Simmons on the contract. He was my number three, but how much are you, what is like the surplus value there? Is he like a, a, what $23 million value player who's getting paid like 18 and a half million. You still love to have that guy around, but compared to what Sertan could be and what he will be getting paid and the control you have over him for the same amount of time, the answer to me was Sertan. Luckily it doesn't matter because you get to protect yeah. for. Yeah. I mean, it's the argument of proven versus unproven. Mm-hmm. Um, what's getting me excited about Sertan just reading between the lines is I get a feeling we'll see him used in creative ways mm-hmm. and some exotic four and five man packages. And that's exactly what we hoped for. Um, 
So then, Henry, you give us our third defensive protection. Chubb. He's a good player, still two years of control. Um, I, honestly, that was enough. Any worries about the injury history? No. I, I this uh, Guys get injured, you know, and you can't put too much stock in that. I mean, he's no. been injured. Uh, I guess Simmons actually hasn't ever been injured. I don't know. It's it's happened. I'm not worried. Worry, sure, I mean, but he'd be such a great guy for an expansion team to pounce on because you dangled mm-hmm. him due to injuries. You got to protect him. I, I I completely agree there. I'm just kind of pulling the room here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's between neither him or Vaughn, really. I think you have to keep one of the two and just considering where Vaughn is in his career, the cap hit, um, the fact that Chubb hasn't signed that second contract yet, I think yeah. it makes it as much as it hurts. It's a fairly easy decision in that regard. Well, and its length of contract really comes down to it. You know yeah. what? Uh, tempt the San Antonio Wranglers to take Vaughn and then have to pay him after a year. Right. You know. Um, yeah, I I actually protected Vaughn too. He was my fourth. I just oh, took wow. him and too. Chubb. Yeah. With the thought being that. Like, who are they going to take now? They're probably going to take Fuller, Canahan, or Darby. And that's where you have depth. Like, there's no Kareem reason Jackson, I don't maybe. think to, Yeah, Kareem Jackson, too. But you have versatility back there. You can make it work. Um, you know, if they take Vaughn, though, then all of a sudden, you're at least I would be very concerned about the pass rush next year. Um, and ideally, in my world, you let them take one of these corners who isn't Sertan. Well, and it's the Landeskog argument, right? You know, it's it's beyond the impact that he brings on the field. You're losing the undisputed leader in your clubhouse. And I know Mm -hmm. that they didn't protect Vaughn, so maybe you have a similar situation like, hey, we don't think they're going to draft you knowing that they would have to pay you long-term. We're leaving you out on the the open market. We're going to dangle you, but we have every intention of, you know, keeping Mm -hmm. you long-term. There could be some games that were played there just because, Mm -hmm. you know, the relationship. And if that's the case, I think you probably protect Bryce Callahan instead would be or Fuller one of the two yeah but again though like that's kind of who I want him to take is is one of those two if you have a strong preference between one I guess what you'd really want is probably for them to take Darby so that you can bring back Fuller or Callahan or maybe even both with Sertan next year um, and, and get off that deal but to me I mean you got Fuller Callahan Vaughn on one-year deals who's going to be most important this year I think it's Vaughn out of those three who'd you go with I- for Dre uh I, it's jake's turn so i'll let jake go first. oh my bad I, I, we haven't even mentioned who i protected yeah same here i went with shelby harris mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i tried to diversify again i tried to hit all uh position groups d-line pass rush and secondary um doubling up in the secondary with sertan and justin simmons and then chubb over vaughn the only other guy i was really considering was malik reed um, just because of youth, um, I know the contract situation isn't really ideal because he's going to be coming up here. I think it's either this year or the next, and you know he could be in for a very big pay raise. Um, but still, I think you got to value the youth, which is really why I didn't really consider Vaughn. And also, I thought you guys kind of made the point. I mean, you can dangle him out there, but I don't think that right. he's necessarily as attractive as he used to be um, if we were doing this exercise. Um, but yeah, Shelby Harris just signed to the deal, a new deal with Bronco, the Broncos. So for three more years, you have that right. stability, at least for the near future. Um, and just a solid player. I think losing him would be really detrimental to the defense. So that's why I kept him. Yeah. Well, 
I would argue that the defensive line can afford to lose someone way less than the edge rotation. Um, even if you are losing a future first ballot hall of famer, but we, we, they've lost an edge every single year, the last like three hmm. and yeah, they've stunk, but I think they'd stink even worse if you take Shelby Harris or who I would protect, which is Draymond Jones. I think Draymond's right at that point hmm. where, um, He's valuable enough at a at an important position. Um, and he's the guy that I would be scared to dangle the most. I mean, you know, Shelby was in on the open market last year. Right. Um, had to just settle for a one-year deal. Um, when he's almost 30, you know. Like, yeah, that con when that contract ends, he's 32. Yeah. Uh well, Draymond's still very cheap and has shown enough potential. He's a body you want. I worry that they would take him over Kyle Fuller or huh. Ronald Darby um, or even a Von Miller, because if I'm a, if I'm an expansion team, that's the kind of guy I'm trying to, you know, he, he, that's your Donskoy, a kind of lower level guy with yeah. still some growth with a little more opportunity in a different setting. Um, I guess my thing, oh, my thing is that like, I really think if I were running the expansion team, I think my championship windows right now. I think that $9 million for Kyle Fuller is kind of a steal of a deal. And there's going to be guys like that on every single team. And I'm not, I'm not looking. I mean, you have to look a little ways in the future for sure, but I think that the way this is set up, there's definitely a window to just start really hot and you're going to have good options. I think from every team. And that means you can build a contender right now. To that point, though, I mean, I think the Broncos' third or fourth corner is more valuable than other teams' third or fourth corner at this point. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if you have Fuller, Darby, and Callahan dangling out there, I definitely think that those would kind of be the positions that uh, the expansion team would be looking at more mm -hmm. so. Um, even though there is intriguing op options in the linebacking room and on the defensive line. So. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you want to just protect Fuller then if you think that contract's so good? I mean, like, again, my strategy was some cap in the expansion next year, so you might have a better. Yeah. I mean, my strategy was I want him to take one of these corners instead of somewhere where we don't have so much depth, just not Sertan. And so if you wanted to dangle Vaughn, I think the odds of him taking Vaughn are pretty slim. It just depends on whether they're able to save money with some other teams and get good players and make that kind of their luxury pick. But losing Fuller versus losing Callahan isn't something that concerns me too much as long as they're taking one of those two. There you go. Um, yeah, and that's our, that's our expansion. I think we mm -hmm. really were able to go, go through all of that. Um, yeah, that was lots of fun. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back as we each now protect a player for the AFC's uh, four division winners from a year ago. So that'll be really fun. Um, yeah, stay tuned as we give a quick shout out to our sponsors. And for a final break, I just want to remind you guys that the Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation's performance package includes 
the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, including the entire DMVR draft crew, by going going with the code DNVR. We all love it. Hank's a big fan of the uh, chafing cream, especially for golfing in the summer. Kind of a must there. Undies are amazing. The lawnmower is incredible. I've got the nose trimmer, which is no joke. That thing is for real spectacular. Get in on Manscaped and use that code DMVR. Check them out. And we're back. DMVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook here with Jake Schwanitz, Henry Chisholm, Justin Michael. All right. We have all taken a division winner. Jake has the Ravens. Justin has the Bills. Henry has the Kansas City Chiefs. And I get the Tennessee Titans, same as we did with the Broncos, but now on our own. Um, and we get to predict four and four, right? That's uh, We'll just follow the same, yep. the same rules. Everyone in line. Um, why don't anyone care to start? I Jake, can do go it first. Okay, or Henry, yeah, I'll do it. I just said a random name. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had the Chiefs. Um, I thought offensively it was pretty simple. Um, you protect Patrick Mahomes. Anybody disagree with that? No, I think that's a no. Okay, brand. okay, we're happy with that. It'd be um, a fun contract <laughs> to dangle, but uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, then Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Um, I did get a little bit weird with the fourth one though. Um, and honestly, I'm having some second thoughts. Um, but I protected Creed Humphrey and you've got guys like Orlando Brown out there. And that's probably the smarter pick But Orlando Brown on a one-year deal. They, they don't have a whole bunch of extra money laying around. And so the fact that Creed Humphrey, I think is going to be good and he's on such a cheap deal for four years. That's just something that the chiefs are going to need. And it's, it's maybe a little bit too much of a gamble, but it's uh, the move that I wound up making. Anybody have any beef with the offense? I think you got to go Orlando Brown over Humphrey. And I get, yeah. I get your reasoning. I get everything that you're saying. And I, I even think it makes sense. I just think even so, when you, when you look at the approximate value of, you know, a guy that could be an all pro left tackle versus, you know, even if Humphrey ends up being one of the better centers in the NFL, as long as, Brown's like a top five top 10 tackle. His value is still probably yep. better when you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes. And that's probably who the expansion team takes as they look at that and say, Hey, if we get, if we have this kind of left tackle for $3 million, well then, Hey, we're part of the way towards saving money to pick a Vaude Miller on a crazy contract. Right. I think, I mean, whoever you protect out of those two, I think the expansion selection would probably be the one that you don't protect. So that is probably true. Yeah, or maybe one of the Chiefs wide receivers or running backs. Yeah. I mean, are Tempting, we, for sure. I, I loved Edward Slayer coming out. Did we see enough, though, to really no, kind of... No. Uh-uh. I think you'd have better options. I mean, if Orlando Brown's an option at $3 million, you got to take that. Yeah. So um, yeah, you're committing to a lot of future money, but whatever. Yeah, but you're probably also getting off at least a couple of one-year deals next year. You can kind of figure things out. I don't know. It'd be fun if we had the ability to go through the entire league and build this team. Oh, it'd be right. amazing. 
I'll go um, with the Titans offense and then we'll do okay. we'll flip it around and go defense. Titans seem pretty straightforward. Got to protect uh, Tannehill and Henry. Have to protect AJ Brown. Um, a little indecision between Julio, who we just acquired, or Taylor Lewin, who, when healthy, is a great left tackle, but never really healthy. Um, so I've been back and forth. I think at the end of the day, though, we got to protect Lewin. Um, that's just that's just the really important thing that that needs who's your to number one. Done. Henry probably. Uh, AJ Brown probably. Mm. Damn. I don't know. I, I love Henry, but I think it's probably AJ Brown one, Henry two. If we're talking about better. the next ten years, and but I don't know. It it feels wrong saying that Henry's such a beast. Yeah, he's just been their identity. Like, what are the Titans without him? But I mean, not a he's good not football young. team. Drafted yeah. in 2016. I mean, you gotta assume that this peak ends sooner rather than later, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's not going to be able to produce 1,800, 2,000-yard seasons every year for the rest of his career. So, Either way, though, he's definitely getting protected. True. Has to be. Yeah, There aren't um, a lot of running backs that have the, the size that he has. I get that it's, you know, most guys are going to break down, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a Frank Gore type guy that just plays and plays and plays. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, not that contract. You might even want to dangle him, but I don't know. Like, if I'm an expansion team without much money at quarterback, that's. I'd be. Very Would you dare dangle there. Tannehill? Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely consider it. But then there, there are like so few clear options to prioritize over him that it was like, why bother? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I could have question... protected Julio, but I don't. Yeah, I don't see the point. The question to me is like, do the do the Titans want to like make changes? Because it seems like they're pretty happy running it back with what they have and think they're a playoff team and think they can compete. So I don't think they're trying to like get off of contracts or play games, you know? Sure. Yeah, and their mm-hmm. offensive identity is like four or five deep. It's the four, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like they're kind of fine with whoever yep. they lose. Yeah. Um, Jake, you want to go with the Ravens? Yeah. Um. I thought this was relatively easy for the most part. One, obviously, Lamar Jackson. Um, then I kept Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle, Mark Andrews, the tight end. And then I kind of got caught up, and I just went with Bateman. I just figured that um, you got the youth on your side. He proje- projects as someone that could be a true number one at some point. Um, and just factoring in the team needs, I think that he's a pretty big piece of that. Uh, if you lose Rashad Bateman, even – now at this point, I think it really hamstrings the Ravens in terms yeah. of their ceiling yeah. for this year. Um, someone else that I would consider maybe Kevin Zeitler. Um, I don't know. I don't think Dobbins is really valuable enough to consider at this point. Um, same with Marquise Brown or Sammy Watkins. I don't think they really move the needle too much. So I like it. Um, four deep isn't even all that bad to do. Like the decisions mm-hmm. don't end up being that hard on you, you know. Um, definitely a lot more talent than we had with the Broncos on offense so far. You know, just as far as proven talent, I think. Right. Um, okay, close this out, uh, Justin, with the offense before we move over to the defensive side. Yeah, I got 
Buffalo. So, I mean, same deal. First pick's really easy. You're going to protect Josh Allen. I mean, not even a debate there. After that, I'd probably go to Stefan Diggs. Then it gets a little bit tougher. Um, I would protect running back Devin Singletary. I think he's valuable enough as a pass catcher and with what he brings, you know, out of the backfield that you want to keep him. And then after that, I think you probably got to keep an offensive lineman. So I went with the left tackle, Deion Dawkins. So I did uh, consider their center Moores, who I like. I, I don't know. It's, their other receivers just don't do a whole lot for me. And because of that, I think you're probably going to prioritize stability. But I don't know. The The bills weren't quite as easy because because it's kind of just like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and then Singletary's that third option. And then really that's it. Like that's their entire yeah. offense. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Why don't you, um, uh, why don't you start us off with defense then? Yeah. Buffalo, I think is a lot like Denver where if you were going to poach someone defense would probably be the side of the ball that you're aiming for. Just given, you know, they're going to protect the only offensive options they had, uh, you know, starting one, I got Tremaine Edmonds. I think he's just a tremendous linebacker. He's the leader of that defense. He does a little bit of everything for you. Then I went to Tredavious White, you know, one of the better corners in the league, really consistent. Then I went another linebacker in Taron Johnson. He's young, coming off of a really productive season, had about 100 total tackles last year. Dude flies all over the place. I really just like his game. And with the fourth spot, I can. there's a lot of defensive line talent, especially, especially if you wanted to go with, you know, Phillips or like one of these rookies that they drafted. But I went with Levi Wallace, the uh, cornerback out of Alabama. He's coming off of a, a really, really yeah. good year. Had a couple of picks, was solid in man coverage. And I just think, you know, again, it's kind of like the Patrick Sertan argument. If you have a chance for a cornerback that's going to be really good, that can start for you for, you know, the next decade, you got to protect that guy. Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer, too. I mean, the secondary stacked in Buffalo. I think that's where you got to focus. I think you hit it right. I had Hyde originally over Levi Wallace. Um, I don't know. I just went with youth. I, I just kind of prioritized youth on that one. Yeah. I probably protected those safeties. That's fair. I mean, I they've been really do, yeah. consistent. Would anybody have considered the, the rookie defensive lineman that they got this year? Because they got who they got, Jalen Phillips, and they got uh, – or no, Phillips went to Miami. Who are the two they that got they got? Rousseau. And Rousseau, Dasher. that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd consider Rousseau, I think, um, yeah. I, even though he is kind of a project. Um, I mean, they took him in the first round for a reason. If you got a coach or someone pounding the table, I think you could consider it. But I think you pretty much went about how I would have done it, I think. Or maybe Ed Oliver, I guess. But I just oh, I don't yeah, think Ed he's Oliver been consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ed Oliver for sure. But, yeah, it's like how much have you done? I'm facing the same issue with the Titans who are so lacking in talent on defense. It's crazy. Like I would definitely protect Jeffrey Simmons, like without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I definitely protect Kevin bird. Who's turned himself into a very reliable safety and is signed on long-term. Um, so you've got that going for him. And then I probably would take on Harold Landry. Who's done pretty well so far. I don't have a ton, you know, I've still got a little control. And then I think it's like between Rashawn Evans and Caleb Farley, and I might just protect Caleb Farley if I trust my team doctors. Sure. 
I mean, you drafted Monty Rice in the third round too, so I think you could afford losing that linebacker. I mean, I love Monty Rice, so maybe that's just me. But well, and Evans, like you know, you're gonna have to make some decisions on him. And I loved him coming out of college. He hasn't quite unlocked it. It's weird how Vrabel's been a very good first-time head coach, very good, but that defense just doesn't quite pop. So just kind of like, eh, yeah, I guess they get the job done, but. Do you consider Clowney at all? Or are you comfortable dangling him? I'm comfortable dangling him. I mean, he's got he's lasted super late in free agency every year. I have a hard time believing an expansion team's gonna give him like a boatload of money and make it worth so it. So who probably. so who are your four again? You oh, Jeffrey Baird, the safety, Simmons, yep. Jeffrey Simmons Landry. and Bird are the locks, Landry, and then I'm going Farley. Rookie corner, Caleb Farley. I think I'd still go Rashawn Evans just based on production. And uh, I don't know. It's tough though. Cause then you don't really have other than the safety. You don't really have anybody to invest in. They're obviously hoping right. he's going to be a stud given they took him in the first round, but right. And if you, yeah, don't you probably protect, got it right. If you don't protect these guys like Farley, Hank's right. This expansion team's going to end up having like 20 first round picks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be crazy. Um, who's left. I'm left. Defense. I, I haven't done defense either. Okay. Oh, you haven't? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, is it me? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for the Ravens, uh, first player I prioritize would be Marlon Humphrey, um, just an all-pro player at corner, uh, almost invaluable there. Uh, next player, I would go Patrick Queen. I think he showed enough as a rookie that he could not only replace uh, C.J. Mosley as kind of the leader in that front seven in the defense, Um just liked his game and versatility too. It got a bit more, I guess, towards the back end here. I'm considering Marcus Peters. I think you would just have to, um, because I think that's really where the strength of the team lies is in that secondary. And then uh, just going back to what Dre said with uh, keeping the first round picks, I think Jason Owe would be my final pick uh, to keep a guy that has an extremely explosive get off. Um, very, very raw, but in terms of, you know, tools to work with today, um, he was one of the more intriguing edge options in the draft this year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess maybe Tyus Bowser, I would think about. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't keep anyone you know, on the defensive six line. Last year. I'm sorry? Uh, what's his name? Like Udon, the linebacker? Oh, uh, Judon, yeah, right? Judon. Judon. Yeah, he had six sacks last year. I mean, I'd add him. I don't see him on is the he, roster. Is I don't he a bit the patriots now yeah is he okay is he he no longer on the ravens all right that would be a completely ignore me that would be a great (laughs) defense to pick from um like yeah i mean i didn't pick calais campbell or Derek wolf i mean those are guys that really could pernell mcphee too played well i don't know mcphee's way older than i realized when i was kind of going through that ravens defense it's like 2011 dang Mm -hmm. Mm, hank wrap it up for us yeah. Hey, All right. Close us out. So my thought here was that what you're really trying to do, and you probably can't get anybody to take Frank Clark at this point with everything going on, but that's just so much no money way. they're giving him. The other one I look at is Anthony Hitchens, who's making what? Well, basically $11 million, then $12 million. Yikes. Yeah. And I think you want off that, especially because you have Nick Bolton and you have Willie Gay. You have a couple guys that you can at least piece it together. And at some point they're going to need to save some money. Um, so I started off, um, protected Chris Jones, like it's kind of questionable because of that contract, but he's just so good. And they're 
obviously mm-hmm. in a championship window. So you just got to do it. Don't even take that risk. Um, from there, Tyron Matthew, same thing. It's just like one of the pieces that they need to have to contend. Um, and so he's protected from there. Things got really tough. Um, because you know, I, I, like I said, I decided I'm going to dangle those guys and hope that I can just save some money. Um, I protected Nick Bolton because, you know, mobile linebacker, four years, million dollars per year. That's just a guy that I think you want to keep around and a guy who I think could get snatched up by uh, an expansion team. Um, And the last spot, I'm still not confident. You know, you look at guys like Traverius Ward because you just need pieces back there. And I could see an expansion team saying, hey, if we can just get this guy for three and a half million dollars, who's been a starter. And all of a sudden he's maybe even kind of deep on our lineup. That'd be a nice piece to have. Um, I wound up taking Legereus Sneed um, just because there's two more years of control. He's even cheaper. I think he saw some good things from him last year. Um, but that leaves Traverius Ward, Mike Hughes, Juan Thornhill, Daniel Sorensen, all uh, all available. Um, Hitchens, Neiman, again, are any of those guys going to make or break the Chiefs? I don't think so. Jerron Reed, I guess, Derek Nadi, those are a couple others that you could look at. What a phenomenal exercise to show that defense doesn't matter at all. And it's hard to even (laughs) find like three legitimate NFL defenders on the three AFC division, (laughs) right? Like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And that's the thing is like Anthony Hitchens, he's good. Would the Chiefs be happy with $12 million instead? I think so. I mean, also with this exercise, I think it just reinforces the value of quarterbacks. I mean, when yeah, you can keep a quarterback, screwed, man. yeah, that's mm-hmm. just, it, it's much harder when you don't have a quarterback to protect. Cause you have to really, I think kind of big brain your other decisions into kind of keeping your current team, like philosophy and vision um, moving forward. I mean, cause keeping Lamar and Patrick Mahomes is easy for these teams. Josh Allen too. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, that was a blast, guys. Nice to have you back, uh, Justin and Hank. New month, college football around the corner. Lots of exciting stuff coming our way. Cannot wait to get into all of that with you. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week. Have a good one. Jay on the moon.